Good morning, friends. Or if you're watching another time, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. Name the film that that quote is kind of from. Anyone get it? The Truman Show. Well done to those of you who got that correct. <laughs> it is really good to come around God's word just now. And I do pray that for all of us, that God uh, will use this time to shape us, to encourage us, to help us for this coming week to live for his glory. How I wish I was able to see you all in person and to be preaching in, in one room with all of us together, with the, the Holy Spirit moving among us. But uh, I have to say it's, it's definitely not the same, but I am always thankful that God is not limited by this restriction that we are facing just now. Uh, God can use this time. And I really do hope that you will join me in welcoming the Holy Spirit to this time. Uh, indeed, this whole service, uh, confident that God is at work among us and he can move among us in this time. So we're, we're looking at James chapter 3 today. And as we turn there to, to the first verse there, it's a disconcerting reality for a preacher when the first seven words of his passage for that day is, not many of you should become teachers. <laughs> I mean, we're not talking about homeschooling here. There would certainly be truth in that as well. Not many of you should become teachers. I think many of us in, the, in this COVID moment would be like, yeah, that is definitely one thing I have learned, that I should not become a teacher. I think we have all had a renewed sense of respect and admiration for the teachers among us. I know I, I certainly have. But here, James isn't speaking about homeschooling. He's speaking to those who are called to teach in the church. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's a sobering reality. It's very aligned with a theme that Jesus came back to time and time again, which is the evil of hypocrisy. Jesus repeatedly called this out and now his brother James is doing the same. Teachers... Don't stand up there, James is saying, Jesus said. Don't stand up there and say one thing or the other about who God is and what that means for you and, and, and how that should shape our behaviour. Don't, don't spout all that out and then go and live in a completely different way. Jesus called those people hypocrites and some other extremely strong things as well. And, and here, James is flagging the danger that there is for those who would do that, that there is a stricter judgment for those who are to teach. And this is very serious. And I think it's something that all of us who have the real privilege of sharing like this in our community of faith, this is something that we seek to take very seriously. And, and we very much need your prayers in that. But here in this passage, that actually is not the main thing that James is getting at. He's using this as an entry point into a much broader challenge. And it's a challenge for all of us uh, in Jesus' church, not just those who would teach, but all of us, for every single person listening to this. And in the danger that he's wanting to highlight in this passage is related to the words that come out of our mouths. Now, how do we know this isn't just preachers he's speaking about? Well, we know this from verse 2, where he says, For we all stumble in many ways. 
We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. I love the reality of the Bible here again, where it says we all stumble in many ways. I'm sure, I hope we can all relate to that. Who hasn't messed up in some way over this last week? Who hasn't been selfish or careless or prideful or rude or lazy or or something like that? And James is relating this to our speech by saying, if there was anyone who could avoid stumbling with the words that come out from their mouth, they'd certainly be able to keep away from other problem areas in life. So early on, he's highlighting the seriousness of this issue. This should should jolt us. This is stark here. Because, why? Because we are so often careless about the things that come out of our mouths. Not only in that we make mistakes, but that we often don't care about what is coming out, the words that we use. We're not careless about some issues. I think all of us, there's, there's things that the Bible would highlight as wrong that we would all take very seriously. Injustice or violence or adultery or, or greed. And James is saying here, yeah, those are serious, but not more than what comes out of your mouth. If you could control what happens in this area of your life, you'd certainly be able to sort those other things out. That's how serious this is. And that's how challenging this is. Because we know we all stumble, as it says there. We all stumble. And in this passage, there are three dangers for us to be aware of in how we use our tongues. First thing is this. Our words can lead us in the wrong way. It can lead us in the wrong direction, the wrong path. In verses 3 to 5, James uses two pictures to describe the way our speech can impact our lives in remarkable ways. The first thing, he uses the picture of a bit in a horse's mouth. It's so little, but it can have such a big impact on such a huge beast. It can lead a horse this way or that way. Similarly, the next picture he used uses from verse 4 is the picture of a rudder on a ship compared to the size of the ship it's tiny but it sets the direction for where the ship will go and James is saying so with our words our tongue is small but depending on how it is used it can lead us one way in life or another I have to tell you I am so thankful for the mercy of God with this issue that we're speaking on today because this has been an area of challenge for me over my days. Look what I found uh, this week. Martin's school reports. This is my dad's writing and he's kept these over the years for me, uh, him and mum did, and uh, I'm thankful for that. And in here I have my reports right from primary one through to S six. And I'll be honest with you, it doesn't always make great reading. For example, I'll take you back, uh, first of all, to, oh wait, I've lost the first one. Where are we? Aha, here we go. I'll take you back to November 1985. Uh, This is my very first ever school report I received. And how does it end? Well, it ends like this, with a comment on behavior and attitude. A very boisterous child who tends to resent authority. Ouch. (laughs) So let's jump forward a couple of years. We'll go to uh, primary three. 
And uh, let's see what Miss Henderson made of me in P3. Oh dear, final comment on the report. Martin is far too talkative. He also disrupts the group. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I could hear one of the elders saying that about me. <laughs> far too talkative. He disrupts the group and distracts others. And then uh, Miss Henderson finishes with the wonderfully encouraging words, he works better alone. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, maybe let's jump from P3 to S3. Surely things will have improved by then. Well, here's my English teacher. Martin works well in class and his homework is usually well done. In talk exercises, he is always willing to share his views. I have difficulty stopping him sometimes. <laughs> Next page, music. Martin could be more mature in his attitude to work. Seems to need an audience most of the time. In my, fair, in, in my defense, that is music. I mean, to, to want an audience for music is not surely a bad thing, right? Right? Someone. <laughs> oh, dear. And then we'll finish with this one um, because uh, Mr. Douglas, my maths teacher, <laughs> this is all he's written on the report. Less said the better should be Martin's motto. <laughs> well, on that note, I'm guessing that... Uh, with her, when it comes to this sermon as well, maybe less said the better should be my should still be my motto. So we will we will fire on. Um, now, tragically, that's just a small selection. Uh, I could have read you many other similar comments, unfortunately, about me liking to talk. Um, while some of that is, of course, a little funny now, looking back on it, uh, this has been an area of challenge for me, saying stuff that I shouldn't say. And I have seen how the tongue can have a big impact on the direction that life takes. And while many of those examples I can laugh at now, I've had moments where my words have caused real harm, where I've spoken out of turn, where my folly has been exposed with a carelessness with my words. And there have been a few occasions where truly my life could have ended up in a very different place, having taken a very different direction because my words almost led me onto a different path. And God has been merciful to me. What about you? Perhaps even in this message, God in his mercy can show us the dangers in how we use our tongue. The question here in this first warning is, in what direction are your words leading you? Are they leading you and, and those around about you in your life on a path towards God's peace and love and joy and grace and truth, those things of God's kingdom, or is your tongue leading you away from the ways of God? James is saying here, beware. Your tongue can lead you in the wrong way, in the wrong direction. Secondly, he's saying our words can cause huge damage. Look at verse five, the second part there. It says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Our words can cause terrible damage. We know this, don't we? I'm not going to stress this too much we, because we know this, that words can cause such hurt, such chaos, 
such devastation. We see this in, in politics and we see it in our own lives. We see it in the culture around about us, the media, and we see it in our own hearts. Whether it's in words of repeated abuse, perhaps sometimes over many years, whether it's in careless habits of gossip, whether it's the way in which we write emails or post on social media, this little thing in here can spread the fire of hell, James is saying. It's such strong language he uses here. And with good cause, right? How many churches have been destroyed by a culture that grows in them of toxic communication? How many people have walked away from Jesus because they've looked on at other people who have claimed the name of Christ and they said, if that's the way they're going to speak to me or to one another, I don't want anything to do with that Jesus. Jesus' name is dishonoured by, by words carelessly spoken. How many relationships have been ruined and people broken and, and godless cultures established over time because of the fire spread with harmful words. This is no small matter. Hear the warnings of God's word today. May we not be people who start fires with our words. And the final warning we receive in this passage is that our words can reveal great darkness in our hearts. The second part of verse 8 there, it says, The tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. I don't know if you've ever been caught out by your words where someone has found out about something that you've said about them or, or maybe on email you've hit reply all and had a little rant about something or someone without realising that that person is on the distribution list. Oh dear. When Lindsay and I were dating, so a long time ago, now one of my uni friends, we'll call him Bob, uh, was being a little grumpy with me one morning, or at least that's how I perceived it. The reality is probably I was just being annoying and he wanted, he wanted to show that to me, probably with good justification. And uh, one morning he was, like I say, as I saw it, being grumpy and, and he left uh, my presence and I, of course, just had to declare this to Lindsay, so I got out my phone and I said, ah, oh, Bob is just being so grumpy today. And about 15 seconds later, ding, ding, and I get a text message which simply just said, what? Sender, not Lindsay, but Bob. Oh, dear me. I'd sent the message to the wrong person and I immediately felt sick in that moment. Now, why? I didn't feel sick about my little rant before the reply came in. I felt sick because I'd been found out. My words had revealed something very ugly in me. That I was the sort of person that would speak bad of someone behind their back. Thankful for God's mercy. James is saying, this is deadly. This sort of double talk. That sort of hypocrisy is a manifestation of, as it's put there in verse 8, a restless evil, deadly poison. 
Many of us in this YouTube will have been singing songs of worship today, or at least allowing our hearts to be led in worship by Rachel and Paul. But it is no use doing that than speaking meanly to those around about us later. Or, or, or singing these songs or, or, or worshipping God with the words of these songs and then turning on the news and seeing a politician, that one politician that just riles you up and brings that sense of disgust and you, you can only say negative things, it's no good. Or gossiping about someone else in the church after we've blessed the Lord as, it, as it's put here. It's, it's, it's not what we are called to. It's, verse 10 says, from the same mouth, Come blessing and cursing, my brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. And the question is, why? Why? Because it reveals our hearts. He goes on to employ two further pictures in the last two verses. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. His point is, if all you get is salt water, it's not coming from a fresh spring. The fruit that grows tells you something about the kind of tree it is. Our words reveal the state of our hearts. And James is highlighting this to warn us. Now, as we come to a close, this is both horrifyingly difficult to hear. It should all, all of, leave all of us on our knees in humble repentance. It's difficult to hear. It's also the gateway to great hope. We, we do need to acknowledge that, as it says in verse 2, we all stumble in many ways in this topic. None of us in our own strength, produce words of fresh spring water all the time. We're all a little salty, at least to some degree. And this reveals the sinfulness of our hearts. You see, as powerful as the tongue is, it's not the ultimate issue here. The heart from which our words spring, that's the crucial issue. Think back to the earlier pictures. The bit in the horse's mouth is powerful. It can lead the horse in all sorts of different ways, but it's not the bit that controls it. It's the rider who controls the bit. The, the rudder in the ship, though small, is powerful and can point in many different directions. But look at how verse four puts it, where it says, the, uh, the ships are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. The tongue is not the ultimate issue, which is just as well, because if my message today was go and try harder to speak nicer stuff, that would be so cruel. Even in verse 8, we're told no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. The message today, dear friends, is not tame your tongue. The message is receive a new heart. It's not pull the bit more forcefully. It's get a new rider. It's not work harder to turn the ship. It's get a new captain. 
It's not get rid of the salt. It's come to the fresh living water. It's not try harder to speak more nicely. It's come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Jesus himself said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We need a new heart, one given to us by God's grace through faith in Jesus. And we need the daily renewal that God can bring where every day we would say, create in me, O God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Come to Jesus, the fresh spring of living water. Drink afresh of him and his grace and kindness. Allow that water to well up in you and with the help of the Holy Spirit, wait and see the overflow of that fresh water. You will notice your speech begin to change slowly with the help of the Holy Spirit changing us into, the conformi into conformity of the image of Christ. Wait and see as the life and the love of Jesus wells up in you and bursts forth in your words, in your social media, in your Zoom calls, in your WhatsApps bringing to those around about us, not fire and destruction, but the refreshing, life-giving hope of Jesus. May it be so this week, for Jesus' sake. Amen.